What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I had a fantastic weekend. I hope you did as well. So much football went on. This is your college football episode here at Shooting the Schmidt. We're going to do an NFL show tomorrow with my guy, Eddie Garrison. Cannot wait to have him on for that. But college football was fantastic over the weekend. It's a loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. quick run around just of everything that happened during week four of the college football season. Let's start off with the picks that I gave out on Thursday. Went three and four. Shout out to Arkansas covering the plus 17 and a half. Notre Dame plus three and a half. And Florida State minus two and a half. The other four teams, whatever. We're, we're, we'll bounce back. We'll have a better week next week. So let's start with what has been the biggest story in college football so far this season. Deion Sanders, the Colorado Buffaloes, the Buffs. They take their first loss. Now, before we get into the Colorado part of this, because that is who people are going to be focusing on, that's what it feels like people have been focusing on, Dan Lanning is an absolutely fantastic head coach, and Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. Okay, so we can take like watch this and be like, okay, this is what Colorado looks like against one of the best teams in the country, not just one of the best teams in the Pac-12, one of the best teams in the country. You're going to see how much I like them here in a bit when I unveil my top 12. But look, this Oregon football team is really good, and they showed it. They came out with a chip on their shoulder. I don't know if you saw the Dan Lanning pregame speech, but here it is real quick. Rooted in substance, not flash, rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass. Right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go. And that's it. Who's not fired up after hearing that? Golly. I was ready to go I was ready to go play for the Oregon Ducks on Saturday after I saw that. I mean just and you saw it. They went out. They played with a chip on their shoulder, and they ran Colorado out of the building. Look, I'll be honest. I had Colorado at least covering the 21-point spread. I was like, Shadur Sanders, he's going to find a way to score on this Dan Lanning coach defense. Once again, Dan Lanning, one of the best defensive minds in all of college football. Okay, in the conference, that is the Pac-12 that is full of teams who are going to run it up and score a whole lot of points between Washington and USC and in theory, UCLA, coached by Chip Kelly, they didn't run it up on Saturday, but we're going to get to that game here in a bit. Man, the defense that they played, physical, fast, that's a really good football team up there in Eugene. I mean, that's an awesome team. Now let's look at Colorado. What does this mean for Colorado? They get their doors kicked in by Oregon. Look, let's just be really honest here. The expectations for Colorado went through the roof after they beat TCU. That's what happened, okay? Is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But that's ultimately what happened, okay? The ESPN hype machine, everybody got really excited. Colorado was on the front page of everything after they beat TCU, who is a good football team, but not a great football team. Talking about the the TCU Horned Frogs. And I think that we saw that kind of play out a little bit on Saturday, where it's like, TCU was Colorado's best win. They go in to Eugene, Oregon on the road, and they get their doors blown off by a team that 
really did deserve to be 21-point favorites. But I think that what Deion Sanders said after the game was very true. This is the worst that they're going to be. Players are obviously interested in playing for Deion Sanders in this really good football team that they have. Because, look, like they're going to continue to win games. It's probably not going to be 11 like people thought after they beat TCU. It's probably going to be somewhere closer to 7, 6 or 7, maybe 8 wins. And that's something that they can build off of because they won one game last year. And they bring, they're bring they bringing in a guy, first time coaching in a Power 5 conference, and they look good. They look well coached. they got to work on their game in the trenches, the offensive and defensive line against both Colorado State and Oregon. It was painfully obvious how outmatched they are in the trenches. But look, this is still a team that, as I said, they can win six, seven, maybe eight games, make a bowl. That's a really good first season at a school that went 1-11 last year. We're going to keep moving along here. Moving on to the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's right, we're going to talk about the two Aflac coaches here to start first. Let's move on here to Nick Saban. Okay, don't count on Alabama. Okay, I had Ole Miss to cover. They did not. Um... But I did still have Alabama winning because this is Nick Saban, and he's going to figure it out. Okay, let's start with the quarterback position because that is what everybody is concerned about if you're an Alabama fan. If you're not an Alabama fan, this is what you're interested in. How did Jalen Milrow play? I'll be honest. I didn't think he was great, but he played well enough to win. Okay, the interception that he threw was nothing short of awful. Okay, but the defense was great for Alabama, and that's going to carry them through this early part of the season. Okay, they held a really good Ole Miss offense with a really good quarterback in Jackson Dart to 10 points. Okay, Ole Miss only scored 10 points, and they couldn't run the football. This is a high-powered offense, and Alabama shut them down. They, they dominated the trenches. Okay, they dominated the line of scrimmage. This is what I kind of expected to see from the jump, and we didn't. We, I, we didn't see this against Texas. We didn't see this against South Florida. Then again, the South Florida game, more of a quarterback issue rather than everything else. But, man, they dominated the line of scrimmage. Ole Miss only averaged two yards per carry. That's it. Ole Miss ran for 56 yards. Okay, I know when we think of Lane Kiffin, we think of a guy who wants to spread it out and throw the ball all over the field. But that's a really good running back that Ole Miss has. And he couldn't get going for anything. This Alabama defense was stout. And it is what we should... This is what we expect to see from Alabama. This is what we expected to see coming into the season. And, man, it, they lived up to it on Saturday. They were awesome. Okay, now the offense, still got to work out some kinks. Okay, still got to still got to work with Jalen Milrow. Got to make sure he's more efficient. Got to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over in the red zone. Like I said, that interception he threw was inexcusable. Threw it into double coverage. Easy interception for Ole Miss. But as I said... They can lean on that defense. They ran the ball decently well. I believe they averaged like three and a half yards a carry somewhere in there. That's well enough. Um, yeah, really impressed with Alabama. I think that they exceeded they exceeded my expectations. Okay, I thought this was going to be a much closer game than what it was. Alabama they controlled it the entire way through. Okay, Jalen Milrow, if he can develop, this is going to be a really good Alabama team that no one's going to want to see in December or January. <coughs> There's a new KBC. Okay. Florida State. Big win. Big win over Clemson. The fact that they got dropped in the AP poll after winning that game is absolutely absurd. Clemson's a good football team, and we saw it on full display on Saturday. Okay. Clemson losing to Florida State in overtime 31 24. 
I thought the most impressive part of the game was these two teams' front sevens. Okay, neither team could run the ball. Okay, the entire game was put on the arms of these two quarterbacks, and they both played really well down the stretch. Clemson only averaged three and a half yards per carry with one of the best running back duos in all of college football. Okay, Florida State averaged 1.1 yards per carry, which isn't great. They they, they got to work on that, okay, to say the least. But, you know, they kind of, it got to a point where they kind of abandoned the run. They only ran the ball 20, 20 times, and they picked up 22 yards. Like, that's, that's how bad it was for this Florida State offense in terms of trying to run the football. But these Florida State receivers made really big plays. Keon Coleman is an absolute stud transferring in from Michigan State. You know, Jordan Travis clearly trusts him. He went to him several times in the LSU game, which he tore it up in the LSU game, and he ended up catching, you know, the game winner, going up over the defender, pulling in a really tough snag. If you're a Clemson fan, I'm sorry. The kicking woes continue. I mean, hey, it's college football, college kickers, or anything but reliable. But here's the thing. Here's the biggest takeaway that I had from this game. First and foremost, Clemson, they are a good football team. They're still going to win nine games this year at least. Florida State, though, they got to figure out how to run the football. They have to figure out how to run it. If they can't figure that out, then they're going to be in trouble, you know, come college football playoff time, come whoever they play in the ACC championship game. Because if it's Clemson again, I don't know, I don't think beat Clemson twice after watching this game. I mean, Clemson played a really good game. Um, you know, they're a missed field goal at the end from potentially winning in regulation, right? Um, this Florida State team, though, really impressive. Uh, they just they figured out a way to win, and that's what really good teams do. We're going to get into this Ohio State-Notre Dame game, and you're going to hear me say that probably more than once, but they figured it out on a day where they couldn't run the football. Jordan Travis was, you know, played well enough with his arm that he was able to get them the win. <coughs> Moving on to the final game of the night, Ohio State taking on Notre Dame. Game of the day, dare I say, bars, Ohio State did what teams with a winning history and a winning culture do. They figured out a way to win. Okay, first of all, hats off to the defense. Defense played great holding this Notre Dame team to only 14 points. Kyle McCord played better than I expected, but he wasn't great really at all. He just seemed to make the play when Ohio State really needed it. Okay, they went 65 yards in the final minute 26. He threw for 64 of those yards. There were definitely moments on that drive where he didn't look the part, where he didn't look like the guy. But he got the job done, converted multiple third downs, obviously the big 20-yard gain to get him down to the one. Like, that was huge. Um, Ohio State honestly feels really similar to Alabama, where if Kyle McCord can figure it out, which, to be fair, I like McCord's chances more than Milrow, then this team could be really good and a team that nobody really wants to see. Okay, like this Ohio State team, they looked really good. They impressed. I just I want to see more from the offense. I don't know if it's because I've grown accustomed to watching Ohio State put 40 up on everybody and haven't seen them do it yet. It's outside of um, their game against like Western Kentucky or whoever it was. Like Outside of that, like we haven't seen a really dominant Ohio State performance on offense. I'm waiting for it. Uh, but this has got to be big for McCord's confidence, which is really important for these young quarterbacks. But yeah, I was really impressed with how they did. I was impressed with Notre Dame. Sorry, guys, you're now 4-18 and in top 10 matchups since 1994. That's who you are. Sorry. Sorry, Notre Dame fans. Sorry, Sam Hartman. Um, then again, you know, if their kicker doesn't miss a field goal, 
Who knows? Maybe if they play with 11 guys on the field for the final two plays, maybe they get a better turnout. I don't know. Uh, that might have helped them just just a little bit, considering Ohio State ran the ball left right where that 11th defender would have been. But, once again, hats off to Ohio State. They figured out a way to win. That's what good football teams do, especially early in the season. Ryan Day is a really good head coach. The Lou Holtz stuff that people are talking about, look, Lou Holtz is like 80 years old. Okay, he's an old man. How old is Lou Holtz? I'm actually, I'm genuinely curious now. Um, but look, he's an older guy. They brought him on game day just to say stuff because he's a legend at Notre Dame. He's 86, okay? And you know, he comes out, he says Ohio State wasn't physical and all those types of things, and then Ryan Day gets upset after the game and, like, look, Ryan Day, like, come on now. Like, that's not the time, okay? Lou Holtz, 86-year-old man. He doesn't know what he's saying. Sorry. But wasn't a big fan of that. But outside of that, I thought Ohio State played really well. I thought they looked good. I mean, them, Penn State, Michigan – at the end of the year, that's going to be so much fun. I think between the three, I don't know, it's kind of hard to tell because Michigan has played a schedule softer than softer than Charmin Ultra Soft. Uh, Penn State hasn't really played anybody super tough yet either. Obviously, this is Ohio State's, I would say, really tough. First really tough game taken on Notre Dame, and they came out on top in what was a really close, low-scoring game. So I want to see more from the offense from Ohio State, but outside of that, I was really impressed with them and what they did. <coughs> There were a few more big games that happened that I don't want to do individual segments on, so we're just going to run through these last two games really quickly. Penn State crushed Iowa 31-0. They look really good. Drew Allar continues to impress. Could he be the best quarterback in the Big Ten? I don't know, but he looks really good. I really like what James Franklin has got cooking up there for the Nittany Lions. Moving on to the last two Pac-12 games that caught my eye this weekend. Utah continues to play really good defense. Still waiting for that offense to show up. They beat UCLA 14-7 on Saturday. Once again, man, that defense is nasty. Like, pick six, first you know, play of the game from scrimmage. Really impressive team out there in Utah. Uh, just need to see a little bit more from the offense before I become a legitimate believer in who this team can be and who this team is, or at least who, what people are telling me that this team is. Moving on, final game here. Washington State beats Oregon State 38-35. This one really surprised me. I really like what Oregon State is building in Corvallis with head coach Jonathan Smith. Uh, no no relation there. Um, Washington State, though, played really well. Cameron Ward couldn't have played any better. Over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. Meanwhile, DJ Ugalele couldn't have played any worse. Uh, only completed 50% of his passes. He just he wasn't very good for the Beavers in that one. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to give you my top 12 teams, and then we're going to wrap the pot up with some fan corner. Moving on here to my top 12. Who are the 12 best teams in college football? The people want to know because the people at the Associated Press have absolutely no idea what what they're talking about. Every week, you know, I, I get on ESPN.com like every other college football fan, and I want to know the rankings. Because okay? who doesn't want to know? That's one of the best parts about college football are the rankings. So the top 12 for the AP Top 25, the uh, Associated Press, Georgia at 1, Michigan 2, Texas 3, Ohio State at 4. They moved them up two spots. Florida State at 5, Penn State at 6, Washington at 7, USC at 8. They dropped them, dropped them three spots. Oregon at 9, Utah at 10, Notre Dame at 11. At 12, they have Alabama. Excuse me. And then at 13, one spot out, they've got LSU, who they also dropped one spot. Meanwhile, in the coaches' poll, the coaches who are coaching during all these games, their votes – 
Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State at 3, Florida State at 4, Texas at 5, USC at 6, Penn State at 7, Washington at 8, Oregon at 9, Utah at 10, Alabama at 11, LSU at 12, and Notre Dame at 13. Also, fun fact about the AP poll, this is actually kind of crazy. One, two, three, four, five, six different teams are getting votes to be ranked number one. Okay, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington. Somebody's trying to be a little different. All right, so that's the AP and the coaches poll. Here's mine. Got Notre Dame at 12. They lost a really tough game to a really good Ohio State team. I, I thought that I thought it was fantastic. I didn't want to move them down too, too far after seeing that. At number 11, I finally gave in. I put the Utah Utes. They're in my top 12. They're at 11. Not going to move them higher, though, until I see more from this offense. Number 10, I have Alabama. Simply because Alabama and Utah, I think, are really similar, except I think Alabama's a little bit more explosive at quarterback. I think Alabama has a better coach, and I think Alabama has a better defense. So Alabama in front of Utah. Number nine is where I put Ohio State. Look, they barely beat Notre Dame. I can't you know, rank them at six after they beat the 12th-ranked team by three. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Ohio State at nine, Kyle McCord, as he comes on and the offense gets more explosive and they start putting up more points, you'll see Ohio State climb in the shooting the Schmidt polls. Number eight, I've got Washington. I really wanted to put them higher. People seem to really like him. Michael Penix Jr. for Heisman. That's one of the big things right now. But here's the issue. He's not going to win the Heisman, okay, because they're not going to beat USC. I don't think they're going to beat Oregon. They may not beat Oregon State this week, okay? Washington is yet to play any opponent where I'm like, wow, like that's a legitimately good win. You blew out Michigan State. Congratulations. They play Oregon State this week. This is their first somewhat real test, okay, and I'm really excited to watch that game. Number seven, I've got Penn State. Wanted to put them higher, almost did. Uh, They looked really good against Iowa, but that Illinois game where they didn't look great in the first half kind of bothered me a little bit. Whereas at number six, USC, they've dominated everybody that they've played. I get that you know their best win is nowhere near as good as Penn State's win over Iowa, but I know who's out there. I know it's Lincoln Riley. I know it's Caleb Williams. That's the best you know offensive-minded head coach with the best quarterback in the country. This is a team that's going to put up points on everybody that they play. The question is obviously the defense, which we won't know about until they start playing real legitimate opponents. And they are not the highest-ranked Pac-12 team that I have. The highest-ranked Pac-12 team that I have is the fifth-ranked Oregon Ducks. Okay, and the fact that everybody else has them down at like nine, I think is absolutely absurd. It's the most ridiculous thing I think I've seen in terms of the college football stuff this year. This is a really good Oregon team. Okay, I, I harped on it earlier about Dan Landing and how good of a coach he is on both sides of the ball. Let's talk about Bo Nix. Bo Nix has been really good these last two years. And when we think of Bo Nix, we think of him at Auburn and just how much of a train wreck he was and you know, the interceptions and everything, he's gone to Oregon and been so much better. Okay, this Oregon offense is good. This Oregon defense is fast and they're physical. Oregon is a really good football team who can play with anybody in the country. Moving on to number four, I've got Michigan here. Just simply because, look, let's be honest here, you know who who the next three teams are going to be. The question is the order, right? So, number four, Michigan, they haven't beaten anybody. Their best win is Rutgers, okay? Like, I know that they're good because of J.J. McCarthy and, you know, Jim Harbaugh and all the dudes that they have. The running back duo is obviously really good as well. But, look, until they play somebody legit, I'm not I, I'm not going to move them up. I'm not going to. Sorry. Number three, I've got Florida State. 
A big win over Clemson. I guess I like that win more than the AP poll does because they dropped them two spots after they went into Death Valley and won. Like That's a really hard thing to do. They'd only won there once in the past decade. That's when Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback. Hard thing to do, go into Death Valley and win. Florida State did it. This is a good team, okay? This is a good football team. Number two, I still have Texas. They handled Baylor, handled their business. You know, the Wyoming game last week raised some concern, right? Because it was typical Texas. Big win followed by a letdown. That's kind of what the first half showed us. They bounced back this week. They hand, they beat Baylor pretty handily, 38-6. to Okay, Quinn Ewers, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. We know what we're getting from, from Sark. Really good football team in Texas. The defense as well. Really, really impressive. Number one, Georgia. Not moving them. Sorry. No matter what happens. Well, unless they lose, obviously. But until they lose, not, I'm not going to move them. Okay? I have too much faith in Kirby Smart and this coaching staff. I know what the recruiting numbers say. This is a really good Georgia football team. And you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody better in the country amidst the Georgia era of college football. Because that's what we're in right now. Okay, They've won back-to-back national championships. They have earned us giving them the benefit of the doubt when they play against teams that aren't very good, and they win by a lot, because that's what they do. They play against teams that aren't very good, and then they win by a lot. And then they go into the SEC championship game against Alabama or LSU or whoever it's going to be from the SEC West this year, and they beat them as well. And then they go to the college football playoff, and they beat everybody that they play. That's what they do. Okay, Georgia, number one, like I said, not moving them until they lose to somebody or someone else, I guess, just really, really impresses me. And I'll be honest, just knowing who Texas is, they're probably not going to impress me more than Georgia does. Looking at Florida State, they don't have any other games coming up. They're super big. Okay, like I don't think Duke is going to be a top-10 team when they play Florida State, so they don't have any other really big games coming up either. You know, Michigan, you know, maybe you know if they beat Ohio State and Penn State, maybe that moves the needle enough for me. I doubt it, though. Georgia at number one. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with shooting the Schmidt. We're going to get into Fan Corner. Really excited to do this. Um, it's going to be good, so make sure you stick around for it. Thank you for listening to the Shooting the Schmidt podcast. We'll be right back with Fan Corner. Okay, this is Fan Corner. What is Fan Corner? This is where I get to put my fan hat on, which I don't do very often on the podcast, and just be a fan and just be honest and let you know how heartbroken I am over the fact that Arkansas lost to LSU 34-31 to over the weekend. I still can't believe it. Um, golly, I just, ugh. It's the most sickening thing, right? Every week, every week, you know, you're the fan of a team that's not very good, that you feel like is underachieving. You start the week out, and you're like, no way we win this week, okay? We're 17-point underdogs. We don't stand a chance. Look at LSU. They've got all these five stars and four stars, and Brian Kelly, he's a really good coach, and, you know, you just, you lay out the truth of everything, Right? But then, as the week goes, as the week goes on, you know, you start listening to different sports talk stuff. You know, you start reading some different articles. You start looking at the numbers, and you're like, "Oh, like our our strengths really match up with their weaknesses. Maybe, just maybe, we can cover the spread, right?" But then, as the week continues to go on, you slowly begin to buy into your team, and you say, "You know what? We got KJ Jefferson." fifth-year starter, going to set all the records at Arkansas because he's been here so long. He's won in Death Valley before at night. He can do it again, right? That's what we That's what we tell ourselves. And then the game comes, and you put up a really good first half. You go into the half up 13-3. to 
I mean, and you're really kind of starting to feel it. You're like, uh-oh, here we go. Or th- 13 is... Thir- 13 to 10, excuse me. You start to really feel it. You're like, you know what? We gave up that late touchdown there. But, hey, we're up. We're up going into the half. We make some adjustments on offense. The defense looks really good. We're going to beat LSU on the road in Death Valley at night. We're going to do it again. Because we're the Arkansas Razorbacks. And for some reason, we always play LSU close. And then the second half starts, and it's back and forth. And it's just all the offense is just unleashed. And it's 31 to 31. And you watch LSU slowly, methodically move the football down the field, milking all the clock because you have no timeouts because it's Death Valley at night and it's loud and KJ can't get the play in. And so you burn two timeouts trying to call one play and then you burn another one later because you can't get another play in. And you just watch the malfunction begin to happen. And it's just the worst thing. It's the most frustrating thing. When you lose a football game, in large part because you can't get the play in. It's bad coaching. It's what it is. And you also lose the game because you give up multiple shots over the top because you keep playing man-to-man even though you don't have the personnel to play man-to-man. <sighs> Hindsight's twenty twenty, And it's really easy to look back on everything and be like, oh, we should have done this different, we should have done this different. And uh, I think the thing I should have done different was not buy into this Arkansas team this week. I, I shouldn't have gotten my hopes up as I say that. I, I'm sure that you know this week my hopes are going to be up. I believe that my my Arkansas Razorbacks are are set to take on the uh, the Texas A&M Aggies in Dallas, and I'm really excited for it, right? Because it's Texas A&M. They're playing Bobby Petrino, and it's like we're going to be up for this. And you know, let's be honest, Texas A&M like they haven't looked super great this year. Right? It's like, we have a chance here. Like, like, we can go in. We can win this game. See, I'm already starting to do it. But, man, this Arkansas team, I just, I don't know what to say. It's really frustrating. That's really the only way to put it, you know, because coming into the season, you know, I had all these high hopes of Arkansas is, like, going to win, like, nine football games this year. Right? Like, they should win all their non-conference games. Didn't happen. They lost to BYU. You know, LSU should be a close game. We can win that one. We could have, but we didn't. Now we got to play against Texas A&M in Dallas. Then we got to go to Ole Miss, and then we got to go to Alabama. Like the gauntlet has started. There's a legitimate chance that I look up here in these next few weeks, and the Arkansas Razorbacks are two and five. Okay, like that's a real legitimate possibility in a season that Arkansas fans were expecting to win eight, nine games. And then guess what? They got to go to Florida. That's going to be tough. And then they got to play Missouri, who's a really good football team this year. And, and they play Auburn. Like, this is just, it's so frustrating. Like, there's nothing worse in sports fandom than your team not meeting expectations, especially when your team is traditionally not very good, right? Like, if you're an Ohio State fan and the expectation is, like, national title and you make the college football playoff, it's like, hey, we didn't win the national title, ball didn't bounce our way, so what? Next year we're going to be really, really good. But when you're, you know, a team of a fan like Arkansas and, like, once every four years you – you have a team that you think is going to be really, really good, and then they just don't live up to it, it's heartbreaking, and it's the absolute worst. So that's my rant on my Arkansas Razorbacks. Fire Sam Pittman, please, and bring in literally anybody else. That's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Th- thanks for taking the time to listen, especially that last part. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back again with another show tomorrow. NFL week, my Dolphins put up 70 points. Trust me, you're going to want to come back for that. My guy Eddie Garrison is going to be joining me. Can't wait for it. I will talk to you all tomorrow.